0: Welcome to this installment of the Everyman livestream. My name is Jeremy and I'll be your host today. Now clarity is a great thing. With clarity, you can act confidently. Without clarity, there's just confusion, wasted energy, and frustration. Now this is especially true when it comes to man's motivation for how he lives his life. Now when a man knows his motivation, it focuses his concentrations, garners his energy, and fuels his actions. In other words, when a man has clarity on his why, he's not shy. Now the Bible says that as men who claim to know and follow Jesus, our motivation is more important to God than our actions for God. In fact, God is studying the why that is at the center of what we do. He's looking for something specific because when your motivations are pure before Him, your life is filled with His power. Now I'd like for you to invite some friends to take this journey and share this message right now. Now let's join men's expert and pastor Kenny Luck as he dives into why God's man lives the way he does. Now the first stop in that adventure is to clearly see Jesus's own why when he was on earth. Welcome to part one of Live to Please.
1: Hold a spot there. And uh, just for everybody joining us online, just wanna remind everybody that this Saturday, October 19th in 450 cities across the world, we're doing uh, the Walk for Freedom, which is uh, the organization A21, and it's Abolition 21. There's 42 million women who wake up every day. They have a job. They're prostitutes. The the demand for that comes from men, and so when men confront men on that issue, uh, that's when we're going to begin to see some change. So no matter where you live, please go to A21.org and check it out. I know the men of Crossline are going to be meeting uh, at 7 a.m. on Saturday morning. We're going to go down to Laguna Beach, and we're going to... We're going to walk for freedom and send a message to the men uh, of Orange County. Well, we're back after being off for five weeks, and uh, we're going to do a series. It's called Live to Please, and I want to start with just a question. Wouldn't you agree that clarity is a good thing? I mean, when you when you see clearly, you can act confidently and act consistently. And the key to clarity in anything, in, in any any pursuit, and especially in living, is understanding why you do what you're doing. You got to understand your why. And if you don't understand your why, over time, you're just going to lose your motivation. That just becomes another activity, you know, even coming for Bible study. If you don't understand why you're here fundamentally, it'll just become another activity. And it's true in business. It's, it's true in all of our activities. It's even true uh, in your walk of faith, which is why uh, the Bible says that when it comes to knowing Jesus, following Jesus, your motivation is way more important than your actions. Now, you think, oh, no, no, it's the actions. It's the Bible study. It's, it's the prayer. It's the church attendance. It's uh, No, that, that's, that's not what's going to sustain you in your pursuit of Jesus. What's going to sustain you in your pursuit of Jesus is your motivation for the relationship. And if your motivation is strong, your actions will be equally strong and equally consistent and confident over time. And so take out your notes, your message notes. We're going to read a couple of verses from Scripture on our motivation in our spiritual lives. And the first verse that we want to read is Proverbs 16, 2. You ready? People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. I want you to circle that. The Lord examines their motives. You know, there's lots of reasons for getting into a relationship. But there are there's not really only one good reason, right, to sustain that relationship that works for both people. That is that you want to be in that relationship, that you care about that relationship. You care about the other person. You know, in human relationships, when someone has bad motives and they come out, you get angry, right? Either if they were using you or they were in it for the wrong reasons. The Lord's the same way. He's no fool. He's the one who created human relationships. And he wants your motives for being rightly related to him, to be right. He doesn't want to be manipulated. He doesn't want to be used. He doesn't want to be taken advantage of. You know, you look at the scripture and you see in 1 Thessalonians 2, 4, after people have become believers, you read stuff like this. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 4 together. Ready? For we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. Our purpose is to please God. Not people, he alone examines the motives of our hearts. So there you get a revelation of what's God examining? What does he want to see? And it says right there in the scripture, our purpose is to please God, not people. And so what's God looking at? Why why are you at Bible study? Why are you attending church? Why are you reading your Bible? Why well, you know what? I want to bring God pleasure. You know, just like a just like a child wants to please their dad or make him proud. You know, in our relationship with God, he wants us to please him. And so write this down. God is concerned with your why before your what. Why are you standing here? Why are you coming to this study? Why uh, do you want to live for God? Well, your primary motivation should be to please him. And as we'll find out as we get more into this study, that's an easy thing to do when it comes to Jesus. So at part one, we're going to look to Jesus and we're going to look at his motivation and then we're going to build a little bridge. What does that mean for me? If I know Jesus and I follow Jesus uh, and and Jesus' motivation was located here, was centered here, then what does that mean for me as I follow Jesus? And the reason I ask you to turn to John chapter 8 is because Jesus is beginning to uh, do a lot of things for God and he begins to say a lot of things for God. And there's confusion over why he's doing what he's doing. And so he's trying to explain uh, why he's doing what he's doing. And in John chapter 8, verse 23, it starts and he says, You are from below and I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die die in your sins. Who are you? They asked. Just what I have been telling you from the beginning, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is trustworthy. And what I have heard from him, I tell this world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. Let's finish it together. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the son of man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing on my own, But speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Circle that. For I always do what pleases him. So in Jesus' own words, he's telling us and telling people who may be confused about why he says what he says or why he does what he does, the motivation behind his actions. And what I love about that last phrase, the one who sent me is with me, he has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him, is it suggests that there is presence in relationship, that God's presence ensures the pursuit. This morning you may have come to study and you might feel alone in your journey, or alone in your trial, or alone in your depression, or alone in your anxiety, or alone in a marriage that's struggling to hold on by a thread. But I just want to assure you that God is with you. And just as Jesus says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Don't let the lie that God has somehow abandoned you cause you to abandon your journey to please him. Don't believe that lie. And so let's unpack a little bit about Jesus And then we'll build that bridge to what that means for us as we follow Jesus. Number one, we see in this passage that Jesus eternally thinks. Write that down. Jesus eternally thinks. He knows where he comes from. And because he knows where he comes from, he knows what to do. In verse 23 on your outline, let's restate what Jesus has said. Ready? You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Now that's significant because if you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, that's true of you too. You're not from below, you're from above. In fact, it says the very same thing in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. Let's read that together. Ready? And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. All right? Say this with me. I am seated with Christ. I see from where I sit. I respond to what I see. You follow that? I am seated with Christ. I walk on earth, but my spiritual citizenship is in heaven. And I have a larger perspective because I'm in Christ. And now because I'm seated with Christ, I see things from where I sit. I see things from an eternal perspective. And then when I see things from an eternal perspective, I can respond to what I see, which means that you're going to act different just like Jesus did when he was on earth. You see from where you sit. Look at what it says in Colossians 3 verses 1 through 3. I want us to read that together. Ready? Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. See, the Bible affirms your position in Christ. Everybody say, my position in Christ. Right, that, that the Bible affirms who you are, and it wants you to live out who you really are in Christ while you're on earth. The Bible says, I've been crucified with Christ. That means you're dead to sin, right? The Bible says, you're resurrected with Christ, right? That means you're alive to God. I'm dead to sin on earth, and I'm alive to God. And now the Bible says, I'm seated with Christ, I have a whole new set of glasses. I'm seeing everything from an eternal perspective. And so I can, while I'm living on earth, I don't have to think temporally, I can think eternally. And that's why we're all here. And that's Jesus, as sometimes people get confused over why you do what you're doing. Why are you investing in that? Why are you involved in that? Wow, I'm just, I'm I'm raised with Christ. I'm thinking eternally, just like Jesus did, all right? Secondly, Jesus personally trusts. Not only does he eternally think, but he personally trusts. In verse 26, he says, but he who sent me is trustworthy. You see, Jesus is in relationship with the Father, and he trusts the character of the Father. Now, you ever heard that statement? I don't trust you as far as I can. <laughs> right? You don't tr- you don't you don't follow what people you don't have don't have character, you don't believe what they say. But Father, Son and Holy Spirit are in relationship and they trust each other. All right? They trust each other. And Jesus is is saying, you know, but he who sent me is trustworthy. Not only does he eternally think, he knows where he's from, he knows where he came from, he knows he's here for a short time, he knows where he's going. Therefore, he lives his life Differently, But he also personally trusts the character of the Father. Now, as a follower of Jesus, this is so important to you. Do you trust God's character? That'll determine if you're going to do what he says, or take his advice, or follow his counsel. Now, Jesus has earned your trust. You trust a guy. Who sacrifices everything for you. When Jesus speaks, you listen. Not just because you have to listen, but because you want to listen. You're motivated to listen. I don't know anybody else that will sacrifice, sacrifice his body and tortured his body for my redemption. I don't know anybody else who said who didn't want to do something and did it anyway, just for me, so that my redemption and my salvation could come about. In fact, look at what the man of God Paul says in, in um, Second Timothy chapter one. Let's read this together. Ready? And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am suffering as I am. Yet this this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. So Jesus eternally thinks, I eternally think. Jesus resurrected, I'm resurrected with Christ. I'm seated with Christ, I see from where I sit, I respond to what I see. Uh, Jesus personally trusts God, I personally trust God's character, and I am convinced that he is able to guard the investment of my energy until that day when I'm standing before him face to face. Right now, you're here, you're making a deposit of your time for God. God is able to guard those decisions when you make a deposit for that relationship. He's good, This goes forward, this, this goes with you, all right? So Jesus eternally thinks, Jesus personally trusts. Next, Jesus practically acts. Look at verse 28. He says this, I do nothing, key words, I do nothing, on my own, but speak just what the Father has, has taught me. So God says it, Jesus does it. That settles it, all right? What about you? If you eternally think, if you're in relationship with God, you can eternally think because you're seated with Christ. If you're in relationship with God, you know his character because he loved you this much. And so if you eternally think and you personally trust, you can practically act just like Jesus did. It's like God says it, that's what I do, All right? Now, when it comes to us, because we're talking about Jesus a lot, but when it comes to us, what about us? Well, let's look at the man after God's own heart in Acts 13, 22. right? Let's read this together, ready? After removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. Circle that. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, did David? was David a perfect dude? 100% no. 100% no. But God still labeled him the man after God's own heart. Now, how do you reconcile the fact that he's 100% flawed and 100% the man after God's own heart? How do you put those things together? Had an affair on his wife, killed the husband, sent him to battle. Well, even when he blew it, he repented. He came back to God. Sort of like, how many of you guys ever been um, jet skiing? Anybody ever been jet jet skiing? Okay, a lot of you, right? You know what those jet skis are engineered to do if you fall off? It comes back and picks you up, right? Like you can just wait there in your, you know, life vest and it'll just go just kind of make a circle and then it'll let you get on it and you gotta get on it and and go. That was like David's heart. Did David blow it? Hundred percent. But you know what? When he did blow it, he did what God wanted him to do, which is to admit his mistake and say he was sorry and pursue that relationship and be different after and receive God's forgiveness. Now, did David have to live with the consequences of his choice? Yeah, he did. But David was the man after God's own heart, not because he was perfect, but because even when he blew it, he confessed his sin, he repented. Some of you, you know, even even now, right now, but that's what God's wanting you to do. You know, and, and you're believing that lie, it's just like, oh, I'll never make it. Uh, you know, I'm always making the same mistake. I'm always, you know, no, What you need to do what God asks you to do when you do sin. And that is, you need to say, God, I confess this to you. This is wrong. I'm in agreement with you. This is wrong. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And then, if you need to go to someone else in your life and confess to them, this was wrong. I am so sorry, then you're the man after God's own heart, too. And Jesus practically acts. You know, he just says, You know, I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me, all right? So he does and speaks what the father says practically. Now, this is the big rub when it comes to men and Christianity. It was the rub with Jesus. In fact, he like a like like a like a dad who pulls over the car to correct his disobedient children. Sometimes Jesus would just pull over the car and just go, "Why do you call me Lord, Lord and don't do what I say?" See, there's a identity of I call him Lord, Lord, but then I don't do what Lord Lord says. And there's a disconnect between the claim of an identity and the actual activity of your life. And and that's where it has to get really practical. You know? I eternally think, I find out God's will, the Bible says I have the mind of Christ. Man, I personally trust why cuz Jesus has earned my trust. God has earned my trust. God is holy, God is loving, God is merciful, God is gracious, God knows all, and he has my best interest in mind every time he opens his mouth. All right? So now I can practically act. I can be like Jesus, and I can do and say exactly what God says to do. All right. But then there's a spiritual battle for that, isn't it? There's a spiritual out- battle over making that complicated. You know, And that's where the liar comes in. That's where the devil comes in. That's where he has a perfect partner in the old you, the flesh, the chump, amen? It's just like, yeah, but, that's Satan's big line. Yeah, God says this, yeah, but. Did he really mean that as simply as it says? Right? That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden. God made a very clear boundary, and Satan comes in here to cloud the issue. All right. Yeah, but did God really say? So like Jesus, we can eternally think, And please God, we can personally trust. And please God, we can practically act. And in practically acting, we can please God. If you're here and you're like, I don't know where to start, do what God says and watch what happens. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all right, and let God carry the big stuff. But you gotta do your part, all right? So let's go to the next thing where we're learning from Jesus, then we're gonna build that little bridge. So Jesus eternally thinks, he personally trusts, he practically acts fourth jesus constantly seeks to please the father now i i said the first predicate phrase then i waited then i said the second phrase jesus constantly seeks to please the father All right and and there's his why that's his why and if that's good enough for jesus good enough for you amen that's good enough for me if it's good enough for jesus it's good enough for me he says this the one who sent me is with me he has not left me alone for I always do what pleases him. Isn't that tremendous clarity? Like, you can walk into any situation. Doesn't matter if it's a work situation or a relational situation or a friendship situation or, you know, a circumstance. And you can know what to do. The only question you have to ask yourself is, what can I do in this situation that pleases God? Man, clarity is is a great thing. Jesus was crystal clear. In fact, his spiritual life was so intuitive, he could just walk into, He had having that conviction, he was seamless, man. Didn't matter if he was with gluttons and drunkards and prostitutes and tax collectors and sinners, he knew what to do. Doesn't matter whether he was with the religious professionals and the people who really knew a lot about the Bible, he knew exactly what to say and do. He knew exactly what to say with lonely people. He knew exactly what to do with people who felt far from God. He knew exactly what to do when there was a need. He was going to please God. And you see, that's the journey as a follower of Christ. Don't complicate it. All right? Surrender your life to Christ. He's worthy of your complete and total trust and faith. Surrender to the person of Christ. He's Lord. Surrender to the work of Christ. He's your Savior. He died on a cross for you. Give your life to him and start your eternal journey. Become a saved person. Be saved from your sins. And then enter this journey, this walk with Jesus. And what does it look like? Keep it simple. Please, God. Do what he says. Act like Jesus. In 1 Thessalonians 4, chapter 1, it says this. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so I'm going to stop right there because we're going to read the rest together. All right? Here is someone who is punctuating a conversation. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Okay, here comes the payoff sentence. You ready to join with me? I urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus, ready, to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so. There's always room to grow. Amen? I'm not, you don't live my life. I don't live your life. And you know, the mistake you would make is to think that because I'm up here and you're sitting there, or you're listening out there, that somehow I've got it figured out. I totally don't. There's parts of my character that really need work. There's parts of my life that need the Holy Spirit's power where I need to eternally think. I need to personally trust God. I need to practically do what God says to do. I'm educated way beyond my obedience. Amen? All right? And then I need to constantly seek. And that's why I wake up every day and I say, this is the day. That the Lord has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. You see, because I have a relationship with God and I need to eternally think. And the Bible says, because I'm raised with Christ and because I see from where I sit and I respond to what I see, I have to live eternally. And so I have to set my heart and I have to set my mind, all right, to live in the dimension to which I actually belong. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't live in the kingdom dimension, or if you don't, you don't enter that, then you're living in the world. And Jesus says you're not of the world. And so you're living in a place and living in a way you shouldn't be living. If your identity is in God, you need to be like Jesus, because he's forming Jesus in you. All right. And eternally think, personally trust, practically act, and constantly seek. So my 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 exhortation to you this morning. Is surrender your life completely to God by saying yes to Jesus. And then live to please God every day. Find out what pleases God. Speak and do what pleases God. You see, that's clarity. And it makes it simple. All right. Now, what does this mean for God's man? If Christ lives in me, what does it mean? All right. Well, the first thing it means is I have to see the plan for my life. Write that down. I got to see the plan for my life. In Romans chapter eight, it tells you God's plan for your life at the most basic level. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So that is the predicate phrase, sentence. Okay, we're talking about his purpose for them. Well, what's his purpose? Let's read verse 29 together. Ready? For God knew his people in advance. And he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That right there, men, is Plan A. No Plan B. All right, Plan A is to make you like Jesus. All right, and God's causing all these things to work together for your good. What's the good? You're going to become like Jesus. All right. So you got to when when we see you know, Jesus, and we see, wow, he thinks eternally. He acts practically, all right? And he lives to please God. And then we go, well, what does that mean for me today? You're going to be like him, right? So you're going to live to please God. That's the purpose of of the Holy Spirit inside of you. When you become a Christian, God takes the spirit of his son, says in Galatians 4, 6, and he pours the spirit of his son into you. What's the purpose, all right? Well, the vision, God's vision, is to make you like his son. And God wants lots of, lots of men who live like Jesus. All right, That's what it says there at the end of the, uh, of the scripture, that he might be so that his son would be the firstborn among how many brothers? Many brothers. Boy, how great would the world be if people cooperated with that process, if men cooperated with that process of becoming like Jesus in their character, and then their conduct expressed their character. That would radiate blessing into people's lives, and that's the process. So what does it mean? All right, this whole thing on motivation, living to please God. Well, God's making you like Jesus. Jesus lived to please God. That's your job, to work with uh, the Holy Spirit speaking into your thoughts, to work with God's word, which is informing your mind, to work with the body of Christ, and we're all working to become like Jesus who pleased God. Secondly, if you see the plan for your life, you have to change the goal of your life. Isn't that clarity? It's like, oh, I'm in Christ. God's making me like Jesus. Jesus lived to please God. That's the plan for my life. So I need to be like Jesus. So if that's the plan, I'm going to change the goal. All right. Look at what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8 through 10. Let's read that together. Yes, we are fully confident And we would rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So we make it our goal to please him. Paul's goal changed. Right? He came into a relationship with Jesus. Jesus, while he was on earth, lived to please God. Paul started cooperating with Christ in him. And then he made Jesus' goal his goal, which was to please God. And you see here that there's a connection between the limited time on earth and his energy on earth. Right, When you know you have limited time An unknown ending in a scheduled meeting with God. The exhortation of scripture is, you better get busy. All right, Not because you have to. Because you want to. Because of what Jesus did for you. You live for him. You make it your goal while you're here. With the time that you have left. With the relationships God has given. With the resources and money and people and family and friends. You live to please God with energy and motivation, because Jesus has earned your motivation, and you're you're glad to, to let your life be a thank you for what he's done for you on the cross. So wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, whoever I'm with, whatever my circumstance, that's a key one, I make it my goal to what? To please him. Say this with me. I make it my goal to please him in whatever circumstance. See, God's not limited by your circumstances. That's a lie from the devil. Like, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm in this circumstance, and somehow that limits God in my life. Or I feel this way. Your feelings don't limit God's ability to work in your life. I've experienced that over and over again. I'll be feeling like, oh, gosh, this is fatal. This is final. Or you know, There's a circumstance that I can't change as fast as I want to change it. And, and God just waiting for me to turn to him and fully surrender my life to him. right, so that the miracle that he wants to do is right. And when it comes to the goal of your life, you can please God in any circumstance, right? You can please him when you're in a trial by trusting him, right? I'm looking around the room. A lot of guys have trusted God in trial, right? Like, what are you up to? I can't see you. I can't feel you. I can't sense what you're doing. But I know that you're wise and that you're loving and that you have a plan for me and you have my best interest in mind. So without knowing exactly what all the details are, I'm going to trust you. All right? That pleases God more than anything. All right. So if you see the plan for your life, which is to become like Christ, all right, and you're participating in the work of God and becoming like Christ, then you're going to change the goal of your life, just like the great men of God have. And when you change the goal of your life, next, you can adjust the scope of your commitment. All right. If my goal is to please God, is the plan to please him in some areas and neglect other areas? Absolutely not. But that's what we do. We compartmentalize. And we say, I'm going to please God really great over here. And then this area, I'm going to please myself. Okay? God has authority. He has everything to say over here. But he's got nothing to say over here because over here, I'm God. In no area of life, especially with men, is that true than in the sexual area. God has everything to say. You know, there was a survey done recently, and uh, with about a sampling of five thousand people, and they said, "Yeah, Bible's important. Jesus is Lord. Uh, I want to go to heaven. He's the only way." But in the sexual area, over seventy percent of them were compromising sexually. So God has everything to say over here, but they're functional atheists in this area of your life. Is that you this morning? Well, you misunderstand God. You're afraid. Okay, you're afraid that if you do it God's way, that somehow you're going you're gonna to miss out. And the scope of your commitment limits God, who is unlimited, and how he can work. All right. So when it comes to seeing the plan for your life, God wants you to become like Christ, that you change the goal of your life. Your goal is to please him. And now you can adjust the scope of your commitment to include everything. Look at what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Well, what are we going to pray? We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Here's the connective tissue. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in what? Bearing fruit in what? Every good work. Growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened. With all power, according to his glorious mind, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Do you see the scope of your relationship with Christ there? Please him in every way. When the Bible says every way, what does it mean? Every way. Every way. Bearing fruit in every good work. Right? And so some of us have walked in or some of us are here this morning and we're together in community and what we're telling ourselves is what God says to be true. And God says, you don't compartmentalize part of your life away from me. I want to grow you in that area. I want to grow you in this area. You know, you're following me here but you're not following me there. Right, that's not the plan. So if you see the plan, if you see my plan for your life, which is to make you like Christ, and Christ's goal was to please me in every way, all right, then you can change the goal of your life to match Jesus's goal. For I always do what pleases Him. And now, once you do that, once you say yes, I want to cooperate with Your plan for my life. I'm going to change the goal of my life. Now I'm going to adjust the scope of my commitment to include every way. All right, and I'm looking around the room, and I wish I knew everybody out there online. But my my guess is is that you're in that process like me. Amen. Yeah, kind of a, kind of going. All right, well Lord, we worked on that for a little while, and now we need to work on this. And you know what? We're going to keep working on it till this sucker stops and we're with Jesus. All right? So you can adjust the scope of your commitment. Then lastly, once you see the plan, God's plan for your life, you can change the goal of your life, just the scope of your commitment. But, you know, having said all that, here's the key. All right? Write this down. You got to see the key to your spiritual success. Now, we're going to read a, read a passage of Scripture that talks about, well, what's success, and then we're going to see the key to your spiritual success. Let's read 2 Peter 1, 17 together. Ready? He received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. You know, where honoring God is pleasing God, And pleasing God honors God. So you have to see, okay, that's the definition of success, is if God sees my life and is pleased. It's just like a father who has a child, and the child knows the priorities of the father. And because the child loves the father, they wants to, to please and live out the values of the father. And the father sees the child living out the values that he deems important. And when the child lives out the values that he deems important, the father is pleased. okay, And and that's what it says here. Now, um, look at what it says in 1 John 3, 21 and 22. Let's read that together. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. Circle, do what pleases him. So if we know what pleases him, but we don't do what pleases him. We can't bring the Father pleasure. That's the key. That's what it says in James chapter 1. You know, you're, you're a great hearer, but not so good on the do. You hear but you don't do. Versus, oh, I know what God wants, but I just don't do it. Either out of pride, because I think I know better, or out of fear, because I know my needs better. When we should really be saying, no, God, you know better. You know better, so I'm going to do what you say. Now, like I said earlier and we're going to close with this. Jesus is easy to please. Let's say that together. Jesus is easy to please. You know, Paul articulates this in Galatians 2:20, one of my favorite passages of scriptures. And he's talking about what's happened to him. And then he's he's going to he's going to translate what's happened to him into why he does what he does. And he says, "For I have been crucified with Christ." And it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. Listen, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's your motivation. It's easy to please Jesus because of who Jesus is and what he did. Jesus is God. Okay? That should get us hopping right there. But not only is he God, but he's a God who left heaven to come to a broken earth to die a horrible death for you. What's your response to that? Yeah, Jesus, thanks for doing that, but I'm going to live my own way. No, Paul says, that's taken over my whole purpose. My life is a thank you for what Jesus did. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, so there's the context, Jesus died. That those who live, there's the object, there's the audience, that those who live should not live for themselves. But for him, the one who died, for him who died and rose again on their behalf, when someone sacrifices on your behalf, that changes your response to that person, right? And so when we talk about living to please God, this is not like this big stretch. Like, oh, I don't know, you know, Jesus, uh, I don't know about that guy. No, Jesus said greater love has no man than this. And he laid down his life for his friend." So Jesus did everything he could possibly do in order that you would have the right motivation to do everything could you could possibly do to be like him, to think eternally, to personally trust God, to practically act, and to constantly seek to please God. Now, that life, constantly pleasing God, is going to require one important thing. Faith. When God asks of you to become like Christ and to live to please him, when he asks you to move in a certain way, in a certain area, so you can please him in every way, you're going to have to trust him, because nine times out of ten, you're not going to want to do it. Even after everything that we've said this morning, you're like, mm, I don't know if I want to do that, all right? And it's going to take faith. You're going to go, well, God, I don't know if I want to do this, but I'm going to do it, because I trust you. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to what? There you go. Without faith. So we're going to live to please God. But just know that when you get to that nexus of that moment of where, you know what, I got I to gotta trust the Lord here. And I'm going to trust the Lord because the Lord loves me and the Lord died for me. Amen? All right. So we, we got an exciting series coming up. We got three more weeks of this. All right. How are we going to live to please God with people? How are we going to live to please God with our character? How are we going to uh, live to please God with, with our, our mission? You know, on earth. All right, let's bow our heads and ask God to bless us right now before we go to discussion. God, thank you for clarity. Your love couldn't be more clear. You sent your son. And Jesus, your message couldn't be more clear. That the one who sent you was always with you. He didn't abandon you. For you always do what pleased him while you were on earth. And God, I I thank you that you haven't abandoned us either on our journey. That the one who called us into relationship is with us. He has not abandoned us. And so we reject the lie that circumstances sometimes tell us. We reject the lie that loneliness sometimes tells us. We, We reject the liar right now who says that you've been abandoned because you haven't abandoned us. You're with us. You're near, not far. And we can still please you no matter what our circumstances are. And so, God, I pray for that. I pray that you would fill us with the knowledge of our salvation, that you would fill us with gratitude for our salvation, that you would make it personal for us, just like you did with the Apostle Paul when he said that the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Help us to risk pleasing you today. In Jesus' name we pray and God's men said, amen.